Well, church, we are again in, in Colossians chapter 3 now, and I've just kind of felt it necessary to, we've kind of been through a whirlwind, you know, the first two weeks of this. We're, we're really blowing right through the book of Colossians, and, and I just want to give us a chance to review. Anybody have that time in school? Review? Review time? Some cherished time there, right? So reviewing through Colossians, we recognize a couple things. Again, this is like 10,000 foot view, okay? Paul is the author. Paul's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was once a persecutor of Christians, saved through the Lord Jesus and, and on the road to Damascus. We recognize that, and he's the author. He's writing to the Colossian church. He has never met these people, though. Isn't that interesting? He's never, he never went there, as far as we know. Paul also lays the foundation for the preeminence of Christ in Colossians chapter 1, as we see that just laying throughout. He's, he's writing with a specific purpose in mind, to remind them of the doctrine and of their faith, because there's heresy being taught. There are wicked things being introduced into the church that are making their ways into everyday life. And Paul is trying to protect, to protect their hearts and their souls from this teaching. This teaching includes Jewish legalism. Now, we, we got to remember that first century Christians were mainly Jewish, right? And so a lot of them are still holding on to their traditions, their, their, their ways. This, this separation of the law is not really happening, and they need to cling to Jesus. There's these things that are going on. Hey, you need to be circumcised to be a believer. And Paul's saying, no, you don't need to do that. And that'll come up in our passage today. Gnosticism is creeping in, or the beginnings of Gnosticism, mysticism, this, this idea that you have to pray to angels to pray to God instead of praying to Jesus. He is our only intercessory that we ever have need of because he is at the right hand of God. And also those that, that practice mortification. This is a fancy word for saying self-hurt. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut my arm. I'm going to bruise my body so that I will be closer to God. That only does your body harm. <laughs> it, it doesn't get you closer to God, unless you get closer to death. I, I don't know. But uh, the, these are things that, that Paul is addressing, and, and Pastor John did a wonderful job last week just talking about these three things of, of what is trying to creep its way into the church. And he's encouraging them, be strong in the foundation of your faith. So today, we're going to go through Colossians, the first part of Colossians 3, a new diet. Anyone ever had a new diet before? I had a really funny video, but I had to cut it out because of time. It was, it was really funny, though. But uh, we, we all have diets that we, that we partake in. But really, we need to realize that as a Christian believer, there is no cheat day. That's kind of the rage now, like with, uh, with anyone that, that may work out at the gym. Hey, give your body a cheat day. Go ahead, eat all those carbs, eat that cake, eat that pizza. 
It'll be good for you. It'll shock your body. Believer, don't partake in cheat days for your heart. It is not what God calls us to do. Starting in verse 1, we, we hear this theme. We're going to go through the first four verses of Colossians 3. Raised with Christ is the theme that Paul is saying here. So if you have been raised with Christ. Now, I will say, I, I really do enjoy my Christian standard Bible version. Some of you might have an NIV or a King James. And I will point out. This is translated wrong in my version. It should be since you have been raised. Just want to point that out. You always want to be able to go back to the Greek words and make sure that your translation is adhering to them correctly and to be able to call it out when it's not being done. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Did you see a theme there? There, there are three things that Paul emphasizes here, and they all start with one word. That word is with. Highlighted here. Looks like yellow. My, I tried green. I don't know how it got translated to the yellow there, but we have been raised with Christ. And your life is hidden with Christ. You will appear with him in glory. We are with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where we are. That is where our hope is. It is with him. Paul also touches on the visible and invisible themes here again. Remember that in Colossians 1? Ruler over the visible and the invisible? Paul's bringing us back to that. Hey, set your mind on things above. There are earthly things that you know of. These are visible things. But there are also things that are invisible to you. Set your mind on these things. And hidden with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. Now, there can be a little confusion over this. Oh, am I supposed to hide my faith? Am I supposed to just keep it to myself and, and not let anyone else know about it? Is that what Paul's saying here? You guys can respond. I mean, we can interact. This is not lecture time at, at the university. We're, we're one family. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying your life is hidden with Christ because in the future, something's going to happen. He's talking about our salvation. This is from uh, David Garland. He's the writer of the NIV application commentary. He says, a life hidden in the one who is seated at the right hand of God is completely secure. Folks, you cannot lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. No menacing powers can ever bring them to ultimate harm. 
Isn't that comforting? Thank you, Bill. (laughs) For you died and your life is hidden. There we go. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is saying, your life is hidden because right now, Jesus hasn't come back yet. But pretty soon, it won't be hidden anymore. And you will be with him, revealed in the glory of Jesus Christ. We will appear with him. We could stop there, right? We could <laughs> that could be enough. But, but Paul continues on. Because we're not there yet. That day has not come. We've been anticipating it for a long time. And Paul's about to lay into some really heavy stuff. He's going to talk about our earthly nature. And I just want to remind you of this. This can feel really heavy. This can feel like a guilt trip. I don't want you to feel that way. We're going through this as a study of our old self. We've all put on the new self. I do just also want to give a a stark reminder to parents. There are going to be some words that come up here that you need to teach your kids about because they're going to ask questions one day about this. And as parents, they need to hear it from you. Not from one of their friends. They don't, it's not Pastor John's job to teach them this or my job or Greg's job. It's our job to come alongside you, to equip you and help you. But if your kids have questions, you need to be ready for that. As a parent with young kids, this is a reminder to me as well. Let's start. Verse five. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. And we'll stop there at the end of verse 9. We're just going to go over this. This is our, our earthly nature, what, what the deceiver uses, what Satan uses to try to draw us away from the Lord and cut us off. He uses these things. Paul starts off the list with sexual immorality, with impurity, with lust. And I'll be honest, it's not, it's not just one gender that suffers with this. It's Everybody. And Satan will use this to say, oh, you're not, you're not with God right now because you're, you're tempted by this. And then, and then you feel separated from, from your, your spouse or your family because you're struggling with this. And then you start cutting yourself off from, from your friends. And you know what you've done? You've created a wall and you're isolated. But thanks be to God because he can pull you out. He can reach through that into your heart. And we are born again. Remember, we have been raised with 
Christ. There's no reason to hold on to this. If you find yourself in this temptation, I just encourage you. It's meaningless. These acts, our eyes, what they see, it's, it's not for the glory of God. You are able to overcome it through the power of Jesus and his work in your heart. Be encouraged. Take, take the Ecclesiastes approach. Everything is meaningless. Paul continues his list of earthly nature with evil desire and greed. Reminded of this. I, I think we've all either been someone that's had this happen in their lives or, or we've seen it or maybe it was done to us. But Paul is saying, put this to death. It is not of your benefit to have these things in your heart, to have this evil desire. I think of like, like videos you see on YouTube where people are pranking people and running away and laughing at them hysterically, and it's just not for anyone's benefit. That doesn't bring glory to the Lord. Paul continues with a separate list down in verse 8. Anger and rage. Some of you might have wrath. It's not healthy to be angry all the time and filled with, with rage. Now, can we be frustrated? Oh, here's a question. <laughs> If, I, if I'm a handyman, which, as some of you might know, I'm a YouTube handyman. Like, uh, if I need something fixed and I don't know how to do it, I look it up on YouTube and how do I do this? I'm a YouTube handyman. If I'm the handyman and I hit my thumb with the hammer, do I start whacking the hammer on the ground and be like, you stupid hammer, why did you do this to me? That's anger. But if I say, ow, man, that hurt. That's frustration. I don't think anything else of it because that moment has passed and you know it's starting to swell up. I need to get ice. I shouldn't have anger against an inanimate object or much less a brother and sister in Christ, one of God's creation. I can be frustrated though. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit where, where Paul, you, as some of you might have already read ahead, we'll get to that where Paul talks about with one another. But brothers and sisters, do not be angry. If you find yourself angry, you need to give that to the Lord. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. Don't take things into your own hands. Let the Lord have it. Malice, slander, and filthy language. You know, the book of James, we're reminded of this. Our tongue is a double-edged sword. With it, we praise the Lord and curse others. How can a muscle in our body be used for that? Be used for such a glorious thing, but also can be used to 
just tear down. We need to cut these things out. Put them away, Paul says. Our words would be encouraging to one another, not cutting down. And last of all, he says, do not lie. Do not lie. I think this is beyond just lying in general. Like, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I was the uh, starting pitcher for the Atlanta Braves back in 2009. Had a wicked fastball. That's a lie. I think it goes beyond that. Do we lie to ourselves? Do we lie to our brothers and sisters? It's commonplace. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I am, I am so good. But on the inside, you're torn to pieces. Now, I will say, if you ask that question, you need to be ready to receive whatever it is that's going on in that person's life and in their heart. Don't just ask it because it's a habit. Hey, how are you doing, Katie? Katie, that's an invitation to, to let someone in. And you can say, I'm good, but you're lying. I can say to you, hey, I'm, I'm doing good in a couple things. I'm wrestling with the scripture I read this morning. I'm convicted of something that, that I learned through the Holy Spirit. It's causing me to rethink some of the things that I've said or done. And uh, this lady at Chick-fil-A, she really messed up my order and I was really upset. I was frustrated. I'm not letting it ruin my day. Other than that, I, I'm good. Can't lie to ourselves. We can't lie to each other. And no, I was not a starting pitcher for the Braves. Would never pitch for them. <laughs> I forgot we're in we're around Philadelphia, so that's a rival, right? <laughs> As we move on, we're moving past the old self. We're moving into the renewal. Not the windows by Anderson. But we're moving to the renewal. Let's read this from uh, from verse 10. And having put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. 
I was really curious about that. Why did Paul write and be thankful with just three words as a sentence? It's actually in the Greek, in the Greek punctuation. It actually is and thankful be is in the Greek. I, I imagine that Paul, you know, he's, he's telling Timothy to write this down for him. He begins the letter, Paul and Timothy. I just imagine he's like, oh yeah, don't forget this, don't forget this. Oh yeah, be thankful. But going back, we are renewed in knowledge. Does this remind you of anything Paul has written? Does it take you back to maybe Romans 12? Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Folks, we are being renewed. Paul also says, because we are renewed, when we are in Christ, there is no division between us. Now this right here is a religious division. Greek, Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision. These are religious divisions right now. But in Christ, there is none. Remember, we, we kind of had that with this Jewish, Jewish legalism. He's really bringing that to a front right now and confronting that. Hey, there, there's no reason since we're all in Christ to have this divide between us, to have this barrier. Get rid of it. We're in Christ now, brother. Same thing, a cultural division. Now, I know that most of us have in our, uh, in our Greek translation the word barbarian, and I have up there in parentheses, it means foreigner. Just brief context here, a Greek person who didn't really understand, you know, the language that was being talked to them, if they were a foreigner, be like, uh, this sounds like gibberish, so they would call them barbaric. Does that kind of line up anything? Just, this is not talking about a guy with an axe and like animal skins walking around, huge 300 pound muscle guy, barbarian, not, not that kind of person. This, just someone that doesn't speak the language. And Scythian, these are people from the east, slaves, as I said. So, so Paul's given the cultural context, freedom versus enslavement. That in Christ, we're no longer foreigners or slaves to one another. We are in him. And then he's going to talk about the new life. Rags to riches. Now, this is not prosperity gospel, as John already highlighted. We're talking about our filthy rags that were once a part of us, but cast out for the riches in Christ Jesus, made righteous in him. Now, I do just want to highlight something right here. This, this is not, you know, what we're about to talk about is not like a, a daily, okay, I have to be this way. I have to do this to earn this. this is, that's kind of like a works salvation. The work has already been done. Jesus has already done the work. You do not need to earn that righteousness. 
Again, that's a lie by Satan. The new life of obedience does not depend on our own feeble moral resolve, but it comes from being united with him. And as we look at at verse 12, reminded of the fruits of the Spirit that we read earlier. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, Paul nails all of these again. Right here, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And later on, he talks about love and peace. And he will also bring up joy as well in the passage. Now, we've gotten to <clears throat> the bearing with and the forgiving one another. The hardest thing for us to do, right? As I mentioned earlier, it, I, I can be frustrated, but I can also bear with people too. And I, I have the ability to forgive there's, there should be, there is a stark difference between bearing with one another and confronting them about a preference. Am I right? An example of bearing with someone. Have you ever met someone that's just not aware? They got some stinky breath. <laughs> Paul's a dentist. (laughs) And they're just not aware. But I can bear with that. I can can deal with that. That's my own preference. I want you to have nice smelling breath. I want you to have nice smelling breath for your sake too so you don't get people looking at you weird. However, if the words out of your mouth are malice and slanderous, I cannot bear with that. That is a means for me as a brother in Christ to you to confront you in a gentle and kind and humble way with that. This is, this is living life together and loving on one another. This is the Bearing with, confrontation, forgiving. Where, where does it lie? Where's the line? And sometimes we just need to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. We really do. Really, we need to. And forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against one another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive We've already had the perfect model of forgiveness, right? We didn't deserve to be forgiven. We didn't ask for it either. Yet the Lord did it anyway. Grace that is showered on us. Continuing on, Paul talks about the perfect bond of unity, which is love. Again, going back to my my handyman experience, I cannot mud drywall with love. 
That is, that is not a bond <laughs> in construction. But in human relationships, it is the only thing that people seem to understand and see is if you care about them and if you love them. If you put up that defense, I'm good. It's hard for them to see love. This bond of unity Paul is emphasizing after he says bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Above all, put on love. It's the common denominator we all have and should all have. And then he follows it up with, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. This might sound kind of hippie-ish, but peace rules. Now, I didn't grow up in the 60s and 70s where, like, you know, there were hippies. That <laughs> you say, thank God, Bob. <laughs> That's right. But if someone, if I were alive down then, around then, I, I would say, hey, that's biblical. Did you know that? And I would point them to this verse. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace is such a foreign thing nowadays, isn't it? Especially, especially amongst people. You read about strife in political arena, global arena. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Because we are hidden with him. And someday, that glory of the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed and we will appear with him. So let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, brothers and sisters. And then the new lifestyle. Starting in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Brothers and sisters, let the word of God dwell in you. It is dwelling within you. Be in the word. If you are in the word, then this old self is being kept at bay and your new self is able to reach others through the power of the Lord Jesus. In daily life, we have times that we can encourage one another. Now I know some of you have said to me, I don't have a good voice so I don't sing. It's not... It's noise. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about your heart. And, and Paul brings up three different references to singing. He says psalms. Well, we have a whole book of that, right? 150 psalms to get you started. We have hymns. Just like they had in the first century, I'm sure there were songs back then that they loved to sing. There was an ethos of worship songs that they loved to sing, just as we have as one church body. Encourage one another with that. And then spiritual songs. Now, I, I'm, 
I'm reminded of this. I'm thinking these are, the Greek really lays a reference to the impromptu songs of the Spirit. They just came out of nowhere. Can you freestyle? <laughs> I also think that this is also laying foundation for just speaking the word of God to people, encouraging them. Throughout many of Paul's letters, we have seen through time creeds develop. These are spoken poems. In fact, one of them is in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. So practice them. Wouldn't it be such an encouragement if someone came up to you and just spoke the word of God to you? Would that encourage and bless your heart? Instead of saying, I'm good. And Paul says, sing to God with gratitude, gratefulness, with joy, with cheerfulness. I, I can't find any other words right now, but with gratitude in our hearts, we're to sing. Now, I know I have a very unique perspective. I get to see everybody every week. And I sometimes will just close my eyes because I'm trying to worship as well. And I don't want to be distracted by other people worshiping. But I will say, in the uh, observance, it's really hard to be grateful when you're singing like this. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. And gratefully sing his glory. <laughs> right? With gratitude, we are to sing and worship the Lord. And with gratitude, we are to live amongst others. And I just want to leave you with a story. This week, I, my wife and the kids, they went, they went down to Virginia to visit family. Uh, we've been, they've been planning a, a trip, and it just kind of, the opportunity just kind of forced itself uh, to be able to do that with some things that happened in, in the house. We had a, had a water pipe break. But, so they, they left on Thursday, and I was alone, right? Bachelor life, you know, no, it's not it at all. On Friday, I just woke up, and I just wanted to be alone. I just wanted to be alone. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say, Bob. I just wanted to be alone, so, so I, I wanted to go on a long walk, and I wanted to be with the Lord. I needed the Lord's help, and so I put on my, my workout vest. It's a 20-pound vest. I've been training to do what's called a MRF. That's a really intense exercise. I want to do it on Veterans Day, and I, went, I walked from the hospitality house down to Brecknock Park, and I'm like listening to this new worship album that I downloaded. I'm having a good old time with the Lord. And then I see someone I know. Again, I want to be alone. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't. Hi. And I was just convicted right there. I need to practice what I'm about to preach, don't I? <laughs> and it was such a joy that the Lord was able to use me. If I had been just, hey, I'm good, see you later, I would not have had the benefit. There, here's this family walking together, 
just lost their mom. And here is the Lord bringing a brother of Christ equipped to pray with them, to comfort them, to listen and hear. I'm telling you, I did not want to do this. <laughs> but, I, but the Lord was able to use me in it. If you feel like you don't want to do something, maybe it's the Lord saying, okay, maybe I should do this and go against my earthly nature, get out of my comfort zone. We just had a sweet time together, just praying. And at the end of it, I felt the weight of my 20-pound fast, <laughs> and my endurance was challenged. But my spiritual heart was encouraged. So I just leave this with you, church, as we, as we dismiss and as we close today. Look for the opportunities, divine occurrences, to love on each other to share the good news of Jesus Christ with each other.